just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog beef. And I'm Tink Sorg drinking a uh, monster energy drink watermelon flavor in belated celebration of Juneteenth. Well, Juneteenth and Midsummer, which linked yeah. up, right? Yeah. You know, there's nothing better than fucking synthetic, like, watermelon energy drink to sort of uh, celebrate all of these ancient um, holidays. I, I've had the watermelon. It wasn't my favorite. What, what, what do you think? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's not my favorite either, but, like... Um, I think the purple, the purple and the white are the standouts. For me, uh, maybe green. Green is really good. Like the, um, yeah. I, I, I'm a big mango fan at the end of the day, though. Yeah. Got a emergency edition. A lot going on. But once again, every time we do one of these shows, oh my God, it's the biggest thing in the world. Um, this thing, I mean, it is big, but every time we do one of these, there's some big shit going on. Uh, this is, um, you know, things happen. I guess the, the only to intro uh one of the best thing i like about twitter is just seeing it's hard to know like what what people care about what's what people find interesting i guess the thing i'll lead out with is uh something that uh people seem to find interesting and it's not something i'm uh terribly interested in but i do know enough about it and basically from uh researching Clyburn, people are, are highly interested in this this is this phenomenon of the gullah people the what the gullah people this is uh it's super interesting so the gullah people uh and why okay i'll just uh, lead out why is why is the gullah people interesting well uh in this moment so we've just had uh the supreme court decision today um the roe v wade thing lead up i don't know if he i don't know if he did that thing where he he writes the the majority or whatever decision but uh clarence thomas was definitely swinging it around like he in, yeah. in his in his paper he said uh he basically laid out that we're doing we're going to revoke all these 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 different things he's i mean he's 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 the number one guy on this stuff clarence thomas is a, is, is a gullah uh i know about this from jim clyburn because jim clyburn's not gullah but his wife is gullah gullah people are less than one less they're like less than one they're t- absolutely less than one percent of black people in america they, but they have this unique culture that, that's very interesting. So there was all kinds of people uh, people brought here, slavery and stuff. Gull people were brought from Sierra Leone. For whatever reason, they they had like a some kind of genetic um, thing where they, they were like immune to one of these things like yellow fever or whatever. I don't know. It was a thing where they brought them to this the coast of the, the Atlantic coast from like Jacksonville to the south of North Carolina. And basically, everybody else that would go there would get one of these things like malaria, yellow fever. I can't remember. So basically, even the white people eventually just left. And even the other black people left. Only people left were these people. And they were just kind of left alone for a very long time. And so they they developed their own unique culture, this thing called the Gullah culture, which is they're rural. They're, They're like they're this unique culture of rural black people. They have all these they do all these festivals and stuff. And they mega punch above their weight. And you will see a lot of these guys, especially a lot of guys that are, whenever you see a black guy, it's a conservative or causing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, 
outspoken or something, uh, go check if they're gullet because there probably are. <laughs> and I, I, I'm guessing. I mean, why? I mean, maybe this is self-serving, but that this come this thing where they, they, the guy's a little bit more masculine is that it comes from this rural having a rural kind of trad culture that they're 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 like they're based around. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you should you should bring that up given sort of the topic that's mm-hmm. the elephant in the room here. But I don't know, like um, you know, uh, I have to say that you know, as a foreigner, I'm not really that hot on um, what goes on in the U.S. And I really shouldn't comment on any of it because, again, I, I've never visited the Shake Shack. I've watched maybe 80 episodes of mash not a hundred so um like get on you know, my level yeah this has this this is this funny element because um it, it has a uh, it has some of the things that like you know there's this dirt like uh, people will say like control the united states or whatever and then there's a tiny population that does this, does this and that well, this is funny because this is black people and people don't think of them like that, but they are a small population of black people and they are, and they do punch above their weight. Yeah. Anyways, it's very interesting. So Joe, so to get the short list, so like uh, Darius Rucker is one, uh, Joe Frazier, the guy who knocked out Muhammad Ali, um, Jim Clyburn's wife, and Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas didn't, English is not Clarence Thomas's first language. It's Gullah. Which is kind of like a like a Creole uh, a Creole of English, but I don't know. I posted about this. It got a lot of it got a lot of stuff. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, so if you're interested, Google Gullah. It's 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 super interesting. But what 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 are we here for today? So there was a huge Supreme Court decision. Yeah, I mean, we we sort of talked about that earlier, didn't we? Uh, a while ago, when when the sort of leak happened, mm-hmm. and now um, backed into a corner, I guess the judges just realized that, well, you can't really change this. You can't change horses midstream. So now um, the um, decision has been made public, and it's the decision that was leaked. And, uh, you know, shops in D.C. are already starting to board up uh, Mm -hmm. in celebration of this massive victory against, you know, the killing of the unborn or whatever. And what's also happening is... You know, new political fault lines are quickly revealing themselves, um, and it's it's kind of an old historical point that uh, the most sort of dangerous moment for any radical coalition, political coalition in general, especially in a time of revolution, uh, is when you win. When you win is when st- things start. You know, like the contradictions sharpen themselves. So now you suddenly have people going, "Oh my God!" Like this is the most stupid thing ever. We're never going to win an election again. Like, <laughs> why did you do this about abortion? Which I find quite interesting for, for a lot of reasons. By the, by the way, the, to temperature check here. Okay, so the libs are Fed posting right now like crazy. Oh, right? yeah. Yes. Okay, is, is their Fed posting more or less than when Trump got like? It feels like more to me. Yeah. It's a different site than it was when he got elected. There were more like you, you were a lot like it was before the total mass purges of like pro Trump people and you could say more stuff. I so like now it's like I think they're they're all that's left. So like the Fed it's just one hundred percent Fed a posting. Pro, a pro life guy posted he was walking around to this thing outside the Supreme Court and there's just like 
um, some kind of like, uh, uh, you know, person comes in a rainbow flag shirt and it's just, they're just passing out stacks of like a little slip of paper. That's got Clarence Thomas's, uh, home address on. Yeah. Uh, that, and you know, that's, <laughs> that's completely normal given that the decision has already happened and that like, you know, there's no putting the genie back in the ball right now. And there's no higher court to appeal this to. Uh, like, if you do violence against Clarence Thomas, that's definitely going to change things. It's not going to be like a fucking stupid revenge killing that just uh, accelerates political decay or anything. Right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about the people saying, her are talking about, like, this is going to change the, the election. It's going to change everything. Like, well, I'm not saying it won't because anything can happen in politics. Look at the people outside the Supreme Court freaking out. There are already people who are never, who are like going to be Brandon's most powerful warriors forever. Like they're, they're the only group of people who've actually went up in support of the Democratic Party in the last year. So uh, what's the danger? You're going to lose people you didn't have to begin with? Yeah. So, well, so first off, absolutely, absolutely, uh, the majority of people um, are like they don't. Well, I'll just skip to this part. So, both sides have basically kind of, I don't know, Machiavellian type people that are like, "Hey, don't you know, play it cool. Don't play this up, and just be the 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 adult in the room, the responsible people party." And stuff, and so that would be like in the court of the Democrats and stuff. But you go to them, and they're like, uh, "Hey, make sure that you don't say that only women can have abortions." So, so like, no. So, and then you know, the Republicans are are you know they're saying, "Yeah, great, life starts at conception, etc." So you know, they're this group of people. They're like, "Hey, you know, just play it cool, just be the Machiavellian guy." They're on both party, both parties. They're kind of left it out in the cold right now, which is kind of like uh, speaks of growing polarization, growing temperature, etc. Anytime in American history when there were massive changes, political changes, it was never because, you know, 90% of the public demanded this thing to happen. That's not how it worked. How it works is extreme elements in society, in society go buck wild over something and the, the tone shifts and the normies just adapt to it. Like the, like the things that are in America that are like 90% bipartisan support never happen. Congress never does anything about those. Those things just, there's no movement on those at all because nobody, like no one is passionately intensely passionate about them. It's just, this doesn't happen. However, the things that, you know, 25 to 30% of the people of people are insane about, they change, you know, every every couple of decades. Some, some we have a flare up. The last time it was like what the fifties and sixties. The army got deployed domestically in the United States to for, enforce laws. I, I mean, I wish that it was true that regular like the opinions of like the average Joe were what were like the machine that drove politics, but they're not. Yeah, the interesting thing that's happening right now is just that. Um, you see these people going, oh, well, co- look, we fucked ourselves for the election in t- 2022 and maybe even 2024 for no gain. Because, uh, you know, black people get more abortions than white people. So, like, on a esoteric racist level, this is also stupid. Uh, we should have more uh, baby murder, not less. And it's yeah. like... First of all, you know, that stuff about more baby murder, not less, it doesn't make you sound like a badass. It just makes you sound like a retard. I'm sorry. But also, like, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. 
the U.S. is no longer at a point where it's like, oh, I'm going to send my guy to the Congress. Because, you know, Congress, it really fixes Americans' problems. And once we pass this epic package through Congress, uh, everything is going to get great. But now we can't. Like, no, um, the political system is cl- quite clearly breaking down. Um yeah, the Republicans still look pretty slated to win big in 2022. Maybe they won't after, you know, the summer of Yuri. Uh, maybe they'll actually, <laughs> like, lose seats or whatever in, in 2022. But, but like, at some level, having seats in Congress, like, how much does it actually do? The only thing you can get through Congress is uh, giveaways to Ukraine. Like, that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's such a such a good. I also on the most basic level, if your your goal is to get political power, and then by hook or crook you get it. For example, like you you win an election, you appoint people to the Supreme Court, and they do something that you your your voter base has wanted for fifty years. People are saying, no, you can't do that. That'll cause that that'll make people too worked up. You need to not do the thing that you've been promising to do forever. You need to keep your powder dry. I don't know for what, because apparently anytime that you would have to exercise some of that political power, it's unacceptable, right? It's not the right time to, to, to deal with mm. what what your supporters think is mass infanticide that's ha- that's gone on for 50 years. Like this is 12-dimensional chess on so many levels because, again, you have all of these people saying, oh, well, you know, the era of abortion is over in the U.S., finally. We've ended, you know, six decades of ruthless baby slaughter uh, and, and all of that is over. And it's like, no, no, come on, man, come on. It's, it's not over at all. Like mm. The people on the other side saying, we should now uh, hunt and kill Republicans like animals and then put them in concentration camps and, you know, gas them all because of them doing this. Like those people who are no friends of, you know, Cletus or the Shuds or whatever, they say that the thing that they should kill all Republicans over might lead to Eight percent, between four and eight percent less abortions annually. Like this is not a question about should the U.S. have a lot of abortions or should the U.S. not have a lot of abortions. This is a question of should the U.S. have more abortions per capita than Sweden or five percent less abortions per capita than Sweden. That's the entire sort of terrain of the possible right now. And the people who on both sides, but I guess like. Uh, the people, especially on the sort of Team Red, who say, well, you know, this is just the first step. The next step is actually us occupying New York and banning abortion in New York and enforcing our will on them. Like, they are either just sort of saying that because it sounds funny or they're like criminally insane to think that (laughs) is possible. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you get to send your carpetbaggers after you win the Civil War, dude, not before. Yeah, that, that that part needs a reality check. So, uh, and by the way, you talk about the twelve G chess. One, I just I saw a twelve D chess take not too long ago that was like that said, yes, like um, I don't know because the background of this is like the Democrats were challenging this fourteen week um, limit in like Mississippi or something, and so you could say it would be self inflicted there. I don't know; it's not really important. But so some people were saying, okay. That's there, and then the and then the Republicans do this. They were saying both of them are trying to lose voters 
because nobody wants to be holding nobody wants to be in charge when the uh when the economy crashes i don't believe that but still that's a funny like 12 d chess thing uh, but okay, so <laughs> there was a skit on Saturday Night Live back in 1992. Uh, it was the the premise of the skit was all the Democratic Party potential nominees were trying to make excuses why they shouldn't run because George W. Uh, sorry, George H. W. Bush was so popular that he was going to win re-election like as a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. All these people fall, falling over themselves, like, oh, not me. I'm not going to be the one to go to the slaughter. Like, I, I don't, I don't buy an argument like that at all. No, because- no, but it, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, that's that is like true twelve D chess. But that okay, would be, that would be like fifteen D chess. Yeah, yeah. But well, okay. But we do need to like. Uh, so Yarvin hasn't even made his take yet. People have already said. Yarvin's going to say this is dumb, this is bad, et cetera. Well, <clears throat> so I, I'm not going to go there, but absolutely. Uh, so people like Pence and stuff are just um, – uh, Pence is, is just trying to, like, crash the party or or uh, or he's just insanely stupid to be – Pence said, okay, so, you know, great. Next thing, we're going to pass a, um, a nationwide exemption. Or, sorry, uh, nationwide ban. So, you know, no, no more abortion ever. <sighs> So th- that that is just like record behavior, b- basically. Mm. Now, <clears throat> if you go further, so you got stuff like um, so people need a reality check. So there's definitely people that are not going to get abortions because you know basically because like most of the time people, a lot of time people are pregnant or in these situations they're like stupid. They're like eighteen, nineteen. It isn't something that's planned out with their manager at work. And, you know, being at college, they're, you're, they're just like stupid teenagers, basically. And they're like, oh, well, can we go to the place? No, we have to drive to Alabama. You know, we have to drive to another state to do it. Well, whatever. Uh, they just never get around to it, et cetera. That's just, that's just going, to, going, going to be the way most of the stuff happens. Anybody that's sort of rich or got a plan together, they're going to be able to go to states. They're going to be able to buy these pills online. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they have to. Like, you can't, you can't go to Harvard and have a kid. Like, it's... It's not even necessarily that it's impossible in terms of, you know, you don't have the time. Though, given how hard you have to work to get into these institutions, you definitely can't do the work and, and have a kid. The problem is just that, like, if you, if you join a college Republican organization on campus in, uh, you know, at Princeton or something, and you come along with your fucking kid... And say, oh, yeah, you know, I thought about having an abortion, uh, but, you know, I realized that you can actually have your kid and still join the anti-abortion group here at the Ivy League. Like, you will not be, like, something mysterious will happen where you will never be invited to anything and people will just ostracize you. Because your very example will be an example that, that's not just, like, weird to the lib students, but also, like, kind of an a silent rebuke toward the conservatives. Um, yeah. So like, uh, no, no, uh, no, hold, no, hold on, hold on. You, you, you made a statement earlier that's just not true. We said Pence saying that we're going to pass a, a, a total abortion ban in America is record behavior. No, it's not. Is it record behavior on Maxine Waters says we're going to pass a bill that does reparations? It's not record behavior at all. I mean, She's, Maxine Waters knows that, that, they're not going to pass reparations. That doesn't mean she's trying to wreck the party. I mean, she's throwing out a message to her base that yeah, I, I, yeah, 
I, I'm, I'm all aboard on this. In fact, I'm, I want to go three steps further than, than other people are willing to. That's what he's doing. It's not record behavior. What's What's he running for? I mean, is, is he still Pre- on? Uh, president. He's gonna, he, he wants to run for president of the United States in 2024. Mm. He's not going to get it. I, I, I wouldn't think, but it's like, well, I mean, that's I w- not, that's not record behavior. I would, I wouldn't say, that. you know, you're already, so the thing is, okay, so now it's time to get, or at least I'll be the, the, why, why wouldn't you, I'll be the devil's advocate here and just say, just pure Machiavellian. Like what is, you know, I am the evil person just wants to win elections. If I'm a pro pro life person, I'm pretty pleased with Republican party in general. Now, I guess, so I guess what you're saying is he wants to win a primary well, because all the people in between, in between, this would either scare them or, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, he wants to win an election. And I don't see how this is the Machiavellian answer. What he's doing is like the, the most basic thing in the in the world. Like, you don't actually deliver the stuff. He's not actually going to deliver it. Like, he like deliver on, on the thing that he's talking about. But, like, he's just waving the flag. Yeah, but th- this is good, but we want more. This is like, this is what you do. How many people in, in, in the U.S., like, if we're being completely honest here, um, how many people say th- they look at like the way that the U.S. is falling apart under the current sort of administration, the current order of things, and just go, you know, I would really like this sort of failed um, federalism where one group tries to impose their ideas on, on everyone else. I would like the Dems, but less competent. Because if we're being completely honest, that's like if 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 the GOP decided to say we're going to do exactly what the Dems are doing, just you know reversed, um, they wouldn't be more competent at doing that. Like you would inherit all of the fucking same problems you see today, except they would be worse. Because unlike uh, the institutional GOP, uh, the libs are not necessarily you know. Um, complete marks like they know how to fight back and they will well first of all if you're mike pence you don't have the option of saying okay i have bold new plans for a different direction to take us in because that's not who he is who he is is like a chamber of commerce republican but he's also part of the christian right he he, people made fun of him he's famous he's famously uptight about whatever and and socially conservative this is what he does this is the base he's playing to Uh, as for like what bobby said is it going to is it going to scare the hoes well it'll scare people who were never going to vote for him in the primary or the general to begin with is this statement going to come back to haunt him in a general election if, if, if he somehow managed to win a primary, maybe. But did any of the crazy shit that Joe Biden said on the on the campaign show come back to bite him? I mean, not, not really. Well, you, there's an advantage in liberalization. Anything that, that is like, you know, the, the, uh, would he would would Joe Biden have ran on on banning Jewel? Uh, by the way, this, this is another big story that's running today. There's really two big stories. Uh, I guess one of them, it, they announced did they, the Jewel ban was announced this morning. Yeah. This is this. Uh, it's this kind of like, it's like e-cig, but it's a different, um, I don't know. People seen them. It's like, it's not like the full size e-cig. It's there's a different formula that makes it burn at a lower temperature. So they have these little, little bitty burners. They're like size of, of like a, uh, you know, two or three, uh, sticks of gum. It was banned this morning. And then this afternoon, like, uh, you know, three, 4 PM, it, uh, the ban was overturned, uh, in court. But, uh, so like, you know, if you're Joe Biden, do, do you run on banning? Jewel? No, because you don't like taking away 
is different than saying, oh, well, you know, you can do it. Three words, Donald J. Trump. What did he run on in the primary in 2015 and 16? I'm going to shut down the border, put up a wall, get rid of all your cheap labor. I'm going to send people back, called people from south of the border, like rapists and bad people. And just the most, some of the some of the wildest rhetoric that we had seen from a Republican politician since, since the 80s, right? And how did that hurt him in the general election? Yeah, I mean... But but then again, there was a huge social base for um, like one of the one of the sort of contradictions at the heart of this stuff is just that there really isn't that huge of a social base for you know like abortion. It, it's so interesting that this gun rights thing in New York and this abortion thing happened basically on the same week. Because if you think about like the the people who sort of make up the Federalist Society, um, what they, they their sort of idea about like how abortion should work is pretty much the same as the 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 lib um, view of you know the right to own a gun, which is like of course Madonna should be able to go and get a gun because she's Madonna. If AOC wants to own a gun, that's fine, because she's important, and if she wants to hire bodyguards, obviously those need guns. But, you know, Euclidus, what do you need a gun for? Like, you know, you say that's a right, but no, we've decided, we who are, you know, sort of the elect who get to decide who who owns what, we've decided you really don't need one. Um given the sort of intense pressures of, of getting into the elite, whether it's the elite on the left or the right, like if you want to get into an upper middle class position, if you want to join the Federalist Society, you, you literally cannot have a kid like before you're 35 or something like that. And if you have a kid or if you get knocked up by West Elm Caleb, like your super integralist, super conservative, super based dad is not going to say, oh, well, you know, you can just become a single mom. Like, you don't need college. Like, sure, I, I, I went over, like, through hell and high water to secure a spot for Harvard, at Harvard for you. But you can just ignore that. You can just have a kid. No, like, you know... You're going to Mexico, you're going to get an abortion. Like, it's there's there's no discussion. So, the... By the way, to- totally agree. And so, this is like a, this is like a full admission. Uh, as someone that's more on the right than on the left, um, like, big-time Republicans and stuff, they definitely do get their kids' abortion stuff. It's secret. I'm not saying it's happened a zillion times, but it's happened. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's not happened because these people are evil or whatever, or, you know especially hypocritical it just happens because like you can't go to Harvard and have a kid like you can't well there's obvious there's clearly an injustice here with this and but then if you go to like if you go ask a pro-life person about this they would be like well i don't really care because you know the overall more babies would be saved even if the the rich are still gonna kill their babies yeah yeah sure it's just that like when we talk about like the border closing the border I mean, there's a lot of Americans who, for, for them, this represents not just some abstract, like, you know, I think a closed border is a good thing in theory. Like, a lot of Americans have a different relationship to uh, immigration in America than, you know, I do. I can sit in Uppsala, Sweden and say, you know, I think it would be a good thing for the Americans to not have a fucking open border. 
But like for me, this is just an idea in my head because I don't have to necessarily live with the consequences of an open or closed border. But like if it's your job being taken away, that's another thing entirely, right? Yeah, yeah, and and, and there there's, there is a symbolic element that was even discussed because it, it, uh, you know, they have tunnels all through, so like a big part of the of the wall, it was going to be that that like, hey, there's this wall here, so this symbolically, uh, you know, pulls closed. Yeah, it's just that like the, it's much easier to see like who's on which side with immigration, and it's not necessarily that easy either because like a lot of the um, establishment GOP. They're really talking about out of both sides of their mouth on this one. Like, yeah, to the to to the shots, they have to say, yeah, we're against abortion. But then again, they're not because the people at Tyson Chicken are gonna ask them, like, how how the fuck do you expect us to donate to you if you take away our wo- wo- sheep workers? Well, I mean, so ultimately, though, does it matter though? I mean, because if they're serving a clientele and the the pro life clientele. Is the I don't they're they're different so they're, there's like two big big uh, functional lobbies on the right. There's the guns two A and there's uh, pro life. Now guns is different, you know. Also, they happen to be in the Constitution, so maybe it's a little bit easier. But pro life, so like the only thing that a right wing person is going to go to D.C. for to protest or really to protest at all. It's pro-life. They yeah. donate lots of money. So maybe they just do this as a, well, you know, as a, as a I mean, the, I guess, I guess the question I have then is just that, well, you have the libs right now saying you can't talk about inflation or rising food prices because, you know, Putin, freedom, democracy. And then you have Bloomberg writing all of these articles saying that, like, the real lesson you should take away from inflation is not like how bad it is that things are getting worse. It's how lucky you were to have those things that are now gone. So stop whining. And, and you know, I've never really thought that if you, once this becomes your, your, your pitch, like stop caring about food because there's this other more abstract moral crusade that you have to take part in, uh, you, you tend to lose. And, if the issue here is just that, okay, we ban, uh, we ban abortion in Texas, but now you brave Texans are going to be part of this crusade to ban abortion in um, New England or, or Ro- Rhode Island. Like, um, how long will you be able to get into, how long will people be like good little soldiers for something like that if they can't afford gas? Um, well, I mean, if hypothetically Mike Pence was to start a crusade to actually ban abortion in Congress, he wouldn't he wouldn't win the primary because yeah. Like, like, yeah, no, people have graver concerns right now. What I think is a winning message and not just like, you know, doing the um, inside baseball here is like, what does this party need? Like, here's what we all need going forward in the future in the United States. We yeah. need federalism. We need to be able to to insulate and protect ourselves from going by what we heard today. This, you, you, this is, this could create a bipartisan wave. Then, (laughs) I mean, yeah, in a perfect society, but I don't think Democrats are going to be interested in any sort of, um, 
federalism going forward. I think this was the perfect opportunity for them to, uh, you know, abandon federalism entirely without paying some sort of like political power penalty for doing so. Um, but yeah, like I, I take your point, Marek. Like, sure, maybe I, I need you to explain that. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by it's an opportunity to abandon federalism without paying a bill? Yeah, uh, what's going to happen, though, and this is something that you pointed out earlier, Marek, um, on Twitter, this hell platform we all take part in, which is that, like, you know, the lib response is just going to be, you know, federalism for me, but not for thee, in the sense that uh, red rules will be ignored, laws passed by Republicans will be just, you know, not, paid any attention to with the full support of the department of justice while uh, the department of justice will still still reserve the right to uh send to guantanamo bay any politician who thinks that you know a red state can do the same to like laws passed by the democrats oh, by the way we we got that there was a um a tweet by a guy at oregon so it won't matter so oregon will still have uh, uh abortion but he said he had a like they were going to have an agreement with all these other uh, district attorneys to refuse to, uh, re- to refuse to prosecute. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, legalize uh, abortion. And he and he had included like all like the metro area in Alabama, the metro area in Mississippi. So you know, who knows if this the would city ever happen? Of Austin and Texas, right, so, right. Which would just, in other words, everything would just keep rolling. And it doesn't really matter if this worked, but this is just where people's I mean, you know, you could, because like the federalism, like it matters, like the, there is some devil in the details of how it goes down because like when, when people do like push their, push their luck on this, it's like, well, you, there's, it, it, it matters like how you, this, the, the federal government will try to hold funds from them and stuff. There were like, I know there was this huge, in the, like the seventies or it might've been the fifties. Uh, Louisiana did not want to accept a lower um, age of consent, and like eventually, the federal government like refused to build highways through there, and you know eventually Louisiana, uh, you know, cried uncle. But like you know that that that, that does matter, like how like how it actually goes down. Yeah, the, the conspiring with DAs across the country to not enforce the laws is sketchy because as that. DA that didn't charge the uh, was it in Georgia or South Carolina the guy uh, the guys that shot the jogger remember the the DA who refused to charge them is now also being tried for a felony the gist of it was she, she didn't do her duty a, as prosecutor right that, <laughs> yeah it, it, that's a great point that there is a whole lot of uh, in in these kinds of in this kind of environment there will be a whole lot of um, being hoisted by your own batard. Yeah, like what, what's going to happen in, in, I think that on the short term, what we're going to see is a lot of this like jockeying about like institutional power. So the Department of Justice has said that they will fight with every tool in their arsenal against like the tyranny of the Supreme Court. So they've thrown their axe into the ring, right? Like in fighting against uh, the tyranny of Cletus and his... Uh, upper middle class allies at the Federalist Society, fine. But they'll try to do this locally as well. Like those politicians who, who join, who, be, who reveal themselves as carpetbaggers, essentially, um, 
And those DAs <laughs> who reveal themselves as carpetbaggers, more loyal to the North than to the South, like they are going to get purged. Like they, the, their careers will be destroyed. They'll get primary. They, they might, may even get sort of charged with their election of duty or something like that. So over time, you're going to see um, where you live geographically becoming a very, 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 uh, um, um, how do I put this? Not even accurate, but like almost exclusive um mark of where your political loyalties are because you you're not going to be able to keep living there um unless you are part of the team we're back baby yeah this is going to happen to kavanaugh as well because like he didn't understand that you can't do something like this and still live in dc um like his own neighbors are basically some of them are probably saying openly that like someone should just fucking murder Kavanaugh at this point. What you're going to see is just this sort of prelude to uh, um, a, a boogaloo in the sense that <laughs> the lines will be drawn with ever more like increasing force. And obviously nobody right now is going to say, well, I think that if we put all the people in Team Red in these discrete areas and they start purging everyone who isn't part of Team Red, then we put all of Team Blue in these other political areas and they start kicking out or, or you know, jailing everyone who isn't part of Team Blue. This is, you know, the classical prelude to a civil war. But um, obviously this is just normal politics for a normal, you know, uh, <laughs> well-functioning democracy. Um, well, so, so what what are the what are the possibilities what we were, we were talking what you and I were talking about earlier? So yesterday that the Supreme Court ruled that as we discussed earlier, New York City is not allowed to just say you can't have a CCW because you're not Rosie O'Donnell's bodyguard. Like you, they have to issue them the people who are legally like meet the legal requirements. That yeah. may issue is may issue a CCW is not legal. It shall issue for the whole for everybody. Yeah, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, yeah. Yesterday said, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm just not going to do that. We're, we're, we're going to find a legal way we can legally get around this, and we're not going to change anything." He said, "I'm going to defy this the Supreme Court." Now, Albany's not going to do anything to stop him from doing that. The Department of Justice certainly, this Department of Justice certainly isn't going to do that. Would a Republican Department of Justice? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, they so, can't. Yeah, and I mean, this this also this already had happened with sanctuaries, and and and, uh, and you know, we've seen countless situations in the, in the past few years where like Team Blue was able to nullify things laws they didn't like. What I think could happen, I'm not saying this will happen, is that seeing this, Team Red will also try to do this, and if like the the Biden DOJ or whoever is feeling spicy about it, they could step in and drop the hammer. And, and, and yeah. that, that has happened in the past. I don't know how willing they are to do that because we had this prelude to this fight in Virginia a couple of years ago when they were talking about passing really strong gun control law. They never had the guts to actually do it. And immediately it, it popped up like in every, like every county that wasn't, in an urban center just passed ordinances and laws saying that we're going to, we're going to be a sanctuary, a sanctuary County for guns. And several uh, County sheriffs said that I'll just deputize everybody who lives in this County and tell them they can carry guns. It, it, it was immediately, we're going to nullify this. Yeah. And they didn't call the bluff. 
And yeah. I, I think they knew that, like, for certain things, and guns is definitely one of those things. I don't know if abortion is, but it could be. There are certain things that people are so intense about that they will risk that they will risk it for the biscuit and go all the way with it. Yeah. I think that what's going to happen, the lib response to this is definitely going to be like leaning into this nullification crisis like 150%. Uh, they will establish a precedent that says if the scary Republicans sit, do something and they say it's legal to do it because, you know, they passed a law, but you don't like the law, well, congrats. You now have like, you know, the, the lib equivalent to the Pope telling you that it's okay to just ignore it. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a positive step, a step in the direction of federalism. No more sort of out-of-state tyrants telling you what you can't and, and, and can do. But they're not going to be satisfied with that. They're going to be say that nullification is fine for us, but like we still have an empire to run. And you can't just nullify our decrees because you don't like them. That's not how this is going to play. Uh, we control the media. We control the deep state. We are going to use those things because we are not con concerned about fairness. Like if we ignore a law, that's because we're powerful. And if we force you to live according to our law laws, that's because you are weak. That's going to be the attitude. Like nobody ever, like it's not in the lib constitution to ever accept a claim of um, federalism from from like a weaker party, um, like they they for them like all these sorts of agreements of we, we'll leave each other alone only work so long as they're like you know expedient I should say. But <laughs> you you pointed out the problem earlier is that like once you establish that precedent where it's like. Uh, our enemies are free to ignore, like they don't care about the rule of law anymore. They don't care about any sort of uh, Republican, small or Republican pr procedures. They don't give a shit about any of it. Once that, once that um, is established, you, it's just a matter of time before um, someone on Team Shad says, well, we're going to ignore this law because we really hate it. And then someone on Team Blue says, no, you can't. And we will send in, you know, uh, we, we will make sure that you can't at the end of a rifle. Once that happens, um, you have moved past the period of pre-revolution for America and entered the period of the early revolution, as far as I'm concerned. Like all of the remedies being suggested by angry libs right now are remedies that are, you know, taxonomically speaking, in the realm of these are the things that happened like early on in the French Revolution, not like, you know, 10 years before it. Like, and they, they probably will try to put Donald Trump in jail at this point. I think that like things have advanced so far that this, this might be um, like the next step. That would be utterly amazing if they actually go through with this. My my thought on that was either it's just a thing, a publicity thing, like we're gonna we're gonna drag him, you know, in the court again, so we don't have to talk about all the stuff that we don't want to talk about, how you know everything's falling apart. But you know, the, like you said, the people are crazy now. They might think the only way you can stop him from running and possibly winning 
is to take him to court and try to throw him in jail or, or and get him thrown off the ballot somehow. I don't know how you would do that, but like that's you know, that's always a possibility. I think if that happened, I, I don't know for sure that we would have like political violence, but I I, I think we I think we probably would because I, I can't imagine the chuds. <laughs> accepting that accepting them locking up the president of the united states yeah but i mean this we're rapidly entering the territory of you know marius and sola going at it to the death and just fucking up the republic to the point where like everyone who comes after marius and sola like they think that political violence and prescriptions that that shit is just normal like like we've always been doing that like you, yeah. you, you're crazy if you don't think that if you have a you know political opponent, you just kill him. Like you march an army over the Alps or whatever, and then you just kill him. Like things that would be considered basically impossible four years ago are now being attacked for being like too sort of defeatist, almost. Yeah. Uh, one thing that comes up when people are like, well, you need Caesar. Well, <clears throat> Caesar doesn't happen until people are sick of all the blood and guts. And we are, uh, it's like, you know, Caesar happens when people are like, you know, I can't take this anymore. Uh, you know, there's, uh, we're a long way from that. We're a long way from that. Nobody is like, well, I'm ready to give up in the, in the artisan fight. There ain't, yeah. a, there ain't a soul that feels like people that. People are itching for it, it seems like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh- just to give you a quote here, um, someone like a blue check with a Ukraine flag, which is always a great sign, uh, wrote this. This is absolutely right. Quote, although a Trump prosecution is far from certain to succeed, too much focus has been put on the risk of prosecuting him and too little on the risks of not doing it. And you have Francis Fukuyama quote tweeting that and saying, you know, at this point, it's not a tough decision to prosecute Trump. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I heard a theory before that the only reason that Nixon was impeached was simply because they had the power to do so. And that like <laughs> like uh, at any time that, 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 that would that they would have enough votes to impeach. The, the the president would always be impeached. They now, didn't but, though. They had to get Republicans to, to to like he only he only resigned because there were Republicans who said, okay, yeah, now we're going to actually impeach you. Yeah. Was, the reason he was impeached is because the fucking CIA <laughs> like deep stated him. That's that's why he he, like, he, he was guilty of doing things that other presidents, including the one that directly preceded him, had also done. But they didn't piss off the CIA. It's my, well, except for he, the one before the, the one before that who got you know, fucking shot in the head. But other than that, he pissed the CIA off more than any president ever had. And guess what happened? Well, he ran oh, against our guy George Wallace anyway. So uh, I, I just got linked this amazing, amazing tweet. Um, I have to link it to you guys. Uh, see what you think about this completely unrelated um Coincidence. GOB breaking news. Uh, yeah, I'll read it. This is Lauren Boebert, uh, firebrand, tip of the spear for the, the right wing. It says, why are there 20 pallets of bricks one block from the house office building? <laughs> that's uh, that's incredible. I don't know. There's no reason. There's no reason at all. Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> 
there's I'm sure there are a multitude of explanations. Like that doesn't look like a construction site. But hell, well, I mean, you know, who knows? You know, who who knows what'll happen. The only problem with this is that um their man's in charge in DC now. It doesn't always stop him. It didn't stop him under Obama, but Yeah, it, and and I think that at this point like the I think that if you're a sort of politician who who navigates almost by instinct rather than you know reading the old masters i think that you you're gonna feel a change in the air where it's like if you have a riot in dc it's not necessarily going to be a riot that's seen as well you know i can't believe this uh democrat president didn't you know he's here to make sure the economy works and there's peace like (laughs) I, I'm not gonna vote for him in the primary because he's failed his job. Like, let's let's be honest here. Like, the economy is just sort of falling apart. That's number one. Uh, there's nothing they can do about it at this point. Like, they can write articles about uh, maybe the real uh, economy was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> so maybe you should stop complaining about the economy collapsing. And and you know that's not gonna work. They have their flax now going, like, you're not starving to death literally this minute, so I don't see why you have feel you have the right to complain. Um, this is not a winning strategy, and they know there's no real winning strategy, no real political solution to the problem of inflation. But also, like, both sides, without really taking it seriously, are now gearing up for, um, you know... A civil conflict. Um, and in that situation, like the normal rules of politics do not apply. Yes, if you are a president, you are the guy in office, and people start shooting each other on the street, that reflects badly on you. But I mean, if you're a president in, you know, a couple of years before the civil war, and people start shooting each other in the street in the US, like, you know, the system has moved past the point where, like, if you're in, in a confederate or soon-to-be confederate state and there's, like, you know, violence between the wide awakes and, and others, like, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to vote for this Democrat guy, or, or sorry, this Republican guy, uh, because I don't feel like he's doing his job keeping the country together, man. Like, no, the country is already falling apart. The point there is just to make sure your side wins. So the best way for the Democrats through this is actually to lean into the violence rather than say, we're going to keep pretending that we, if we just don't use violence, we're still going to have a cohesive country. Because like They usually do. They usually do. They, they always just say, like, well, you know, the, this is the riots or the, the voice of the unheard. Etc. Yeah. They they let their people they let their people loose. Well, yeah. th- this is this is the there's a fundamental problem a lot of like a lot of good people especially have when it comes to thinking about politics is like a lot of people think that being I don't want to say moderate because like that mean that means something like but being chill about your politics is the way to influence people to support you, but it, it, it's not, it's the exact opposite. That's the people who've, who've brought us to this point did it within the most extreme ways. Like it is just simply, simply put 
these crazy outbursts that they have, they do sometimes cause backlashes and short reaction reactions. But in the end, they, they get what they want. They advance. They, every time they say some crazy stuff, it moves the needle a, a, a few more ticks the other direction. Like it's almost reached the point where like you, you could just say this all the time, but like five years ago, like transsexual stuff was very minor. 10 years ago, nobody thought about it at all. Like today it's, it's the, it, it's one of the biggest political issues that there is like the debate about whether or not they should, they should be, you know, in athletics and the military, whatever they had now, civil, you know, the civil rights act applies to transsexuals that didn't happen because people were extremely chill about it. It happened because they went buck wild. And I'm not saying that that's going to work because obviously they have way more advantages when it comes to control, controlling like means to transmit their beliefs to other people. Like I do, I am, I am sure that being chill is not going to get you anywhere because being chill for the last 70 years has it really worked out? Yeah, and and also like in a situation where you're you're heading towards, um, like if we think about the English Civil War, for example, like the English Civil War um, was between King George the First and the British Parliament, so like the upper nobility most of the time. It was but, Charles. Oh, sorry, yeah, Charles uh, the First. I know we all look alike to you, but yeah, all the, of you, Angloids. Um. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but anyway, like the English Civil War. <laughs> like, not a lot of people really care that much about, you know, Parliament, sacri- sacred rights or whatever. Like, sure, um, the, the, the sort of imposition of ship money in order to, to pay for the state expenses, that's really annoying if you if you live in England. But also, like, the reason that there's ship money and, and, you know, the king has to abuse it is because Parliament has just decided to uh, uh, make it so that the king can't raise taxes of any kind uh, because they want to play a game of political chicken. But what ends up happening, like, is that most English people don't really care and people go around like armed with halberds and pikes and say you're going to join our team or we're going to kill you. Um, like if you if you then respond, well, you know, I'm a moderate. I'm in the middle. I don't really believe in all of this, like you know, parliamentarism or even <laughs> like you know, the the absolute rights of the king. Like you're going to get killed. Excuse me, Mister Roundhead. I'm a radical centrist. Please, yeah, just I, leave me out of this. Yeah. King James II was pretty chill about Catholicism, all things considered. That didn't didn't really didn't really help it, help his case. He still got deposed. So, yeah, yeah. Like the 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 issue here is just that um, we're sort of entering the territory. I think where, um, like, if you're smart politically, my, like if you understand where things are headed, like your main concern is just that like, okay, when the shooting starts, how many strategic forts are in blue areas versus red areas? Like how, how, how can we move here before, before the outbreak of war to make sure we have as many resources and as many, you know, divisions or whatever on our side. I don't really think that, there's a lot of people super interested anymore in like making sure that um, 
conflict is avoided. You know, friend of the podcast, uh, the guy, the, the Anglo with the emu or, you know, crazy, stupid bird avatar, Hippocletus, just basically said that um, we, we discussed this earlier today. And he had made this very simple point, which is that the off-ramps available to the U.S. to really avoid some sort of civil war, um, I mean, they're still there. I mean, they're getting narrower and narrower, narrower with time, but that's not the problem. The problem is that nobody is even looking for them. <laughs> like, nobody nobody yeah. thinks that, well, we should maybe uh, head to this off-ramp before civil war breaks out. Like, you will find no audience for that sort of... Like, if you tell that to a lib today, they're going to call you an appeaser. And if you say that to Mike Pence, he's going to tell you, at least as long on the record, that no, no, dude, the next step is just to make everything worse. Then maybe off the record, he's going to tell you that he doesn't believe in anything. He just says these things in order to, to win an election or whatever, because he finds that funny. But like, he doesn't necessarily have any plans to... Um, make sure we reach the destination of civil war faster, but he sure as fuck does have does not have any plans to make sure that uh, we find that off-ramp. Like, anyone with any semblance of power is either just like, you know, this is not my problem, or bring it on. It's probably hoarding hair gel. Yeah. Here would be the pitch to make. If you were someone who was coming at this, you know, if, if you're running as a Republican or whatever, you, here's here should be the pitch that you should give if you if you like actually want to take and exercise power. It should be, look, they were wrong about managing the economy and the currency. They were wrong about foreign policy. They were wrong about shutting down the country. They were wrong about all these things, and things are bad now. And we can all see that. They were also wrong about this other stuff. They were they were wrong about Roe v. Wade. They were wrong about a lot of these these you know wrong about who can play in college sports and stuff. And we're going to fix all of these things. We're going to make sure that you have a, you know the wealth and the at least decent standard of living that you had before. And we're going to and we're going to fix all the other stuff too at the same time. That's all you have to say and I guarantee you that if you can convince people that the first part is true, then they're not going to that you're not going to care about the second part or they'll just go along with it anyway. Because I don't think the average person who's not a who doesn't frequent a certain fast food establishment cares more about Roe v. Wade than they care about whether they can afford food or gas. It's just, just, those people don't, those people don't exist. And if they hypothetically did, they weren't going to be on your team anyway. So yeah, yeah. there's care? a certain, there's a certain amount of like, um, you know, b before there was kind of this threat that's like, well, if you guys go too crazy with culture stuff, we will like hammer you, embarrass you as, is like this out of touch religious person to people. Cause by the way, like, let's be real. Religiosity is at an all time low in the United States. Would everybody agree with this? Uh, yeah. I mean, at least organized religiosity. Yeah. And so it may be, you know, there, there, there's, it's possible that COVID has that in there that people haven't gotten back in the routine of going to church, but um, like it's certainly less than it was 30 years ago. Right, and it's and it's probably less than it was ten years ago. But okay, so you have that going. But I was something I want to skip to because something that that is unique here, and it's sort of broke one of these rules of politics that's gone around. I don't know where this rule came from. I think I've heard it. It was Yarvin, but 
you know, that's what we say about everything. But uh, the rule is this. Cthulhu swims slowly, but he always swims to the left. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that o- that cultural policy only moves left unless there is, you know, the big the big reset. And then you switch back to everything goes back far right. And then you start swimming left as, you know, and, and going left just represents like, uh, you know, well, anyways, what, whatever. It, it is Jarvin and his, his, his explanation for that is that the direction of left is, is entropy. Right. It's it, like a force of nature. Right. Right. And well, now someone brought this today. It was a good point that, uh, well, this is not left. Is yeah. it, is, you know, maybe there's not much to this. Maybe there's not much to say, but still, uh, I mean, in our lifetime, have we ever seen, uh, a rightward cultural legal thing like ever happen? I mean, kind of in the early 2000s when there were states banning gay marriage, but, you know, the Supreme Court dealt with that. But, yeah. What I find interesting about this anti-abortion stuff, though, is just, like, there is is a, you know, I I feel a great sense of deja vu in in a very particular way, which is if you think about politics during the 2010s, you supposedly saw this huge um, revival of working class politics. That was all the rage. You had Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn and, and everyone like towards them, and before that, Syriza. So from 2013, 14, maybe even earlier, 2012. Uh, everyone in Jacobin magazine and so on were talking about like, oh man, like this new and exciting, you know, resurgence of the working class. How are we supposed to ride that until, you know, socialist victory or whatever? And everyone agreed that, yeah, this was a huge resurgence of the working class as a political subject, like Barney Corbyn, look at them. And then, you know, Eventually, these things collapse, and everyone realizes that no, there was never any sort of you know working class agency here, because you could just look at these parties from Podemos in Spain to Syriza in Greece, to uh, uh, Labour momentum in the UK to Bernie Sanders in the US, and see that like you had people ventriloquizing for the working class. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I thought that maybe Corbyn may have been real, but I would have no idea. But the Bernie Sanders thing was totally fake. It was totally fake. Yeah. The, the, like how? Like the Bernie Sanders thing was that he hit like his base, the people that got him elected, the people he had to keep happy in Vermont was like these super white uh, people with like I guess factory jobs. They all loved to hunt. They didn't like immigration and stuff. And they were this really boutique, pecu- very I mean, that is very a peculiar person. In, in the United States. Now, now, I know a lot of these people, I know if you're listening to this, you might know people like that. Most people in the United States don't know people like that. But there was this really boutique person, and his politics was tailored to that. They throw him in this in this presidential race, and he just keeps saying these things. And then we act like there was this like movement. Well, there was no movement. He was just like continuing to say the things that he said to win at this weird state level. Yeah, uh, and, and and the movement, insofar as like you had something that called itself a movement, was just like these people moving in, like you yeah. know hermit crabs finding a, a, a lost and abandoned you know can of mackerel or whatever, and saying, "Yeah, this is my house now." There was a uh, moment. There was a moment like halfway through. Where like all of a sudden I think it was this was after like Michigan or whatever he was like 
you could tell where he like in his mind it was like there were like the little greed stepped in it was like wait a minute i wasn't supposed to win this play i could maybe i should try to win this you know and then that, that took off but either way this this just had no real relation to a part i'm assuming that yeah. corbin was like still like you know an mp and like had yeah but voter. he was an mp of like an i think like a middle class place he he was like the old new left kind of type, like a college radical, and like the people in Momentum, uh, they were just you know Brooklyn libs. You know the Sharples actually went over to Leaflet in the UK in in one election. Like they straight up traveled and tried to convince shots in Northern England to vote for Corbyn. I don't know if that actually helped him any. <laughs> To have some guy from Brooklyn say, well, you know, this guy is really the working class guy you've been <laughs> waiting for. Maybe it did, but but I kind of doubt it. Well the, deal, well, the deal with Sanders was is that because, I guess, of the historical anomaly of you know, what politics were popular when he was young and where he was at, that he said these things and like the gist of his early part of his campaign was like, I'm going to I'm going to undo all the NAFTA stuff. I'm going to make things I'm going to make things are going to give you money. It's going to be great. And then. Uh, shift away from the focus on like race politics, which they immediately pounced on, and you know they sent people. They sent right. people. He to, had there was no race politics in Vermont. Everybody right. was white, right? Right. And, and if you look at his like his Iowa uh, campaign ad, it's like it's just him hanging out with white farmers, and it was a it was extreme. Like, it, it looked a lot a lot like later Trump ads, but the thing is, they sent you know, BLM people to steal his microphone and stuff. And he caved because that's who he is. He's a wimp and he's, he's always going to cave yeah, to, to, to the part, to the party orthodoxy. But like for a moment, people saw that and they said, wow, you, you're going to, you're going to do something about the banks and you're going to, yeah, by the way, class people. It was, but it was, it was bullshit. Right. Well, by the way, uh, if there was another Democrat that showed up today, that was like, uh, I want to restrict immigration, and I love guns and stuff. I would be, I would be, uh, uh, loving them up, even if they were fake again. Uh, just, just being real. I mean, and the at the end of the day, like the problem was just that, like again, this this was not a class movement of of working class people. This was people saying, "Oh yeah, we we totally have like a working class person that supports us somewhere." And we're totally doing the work of the working class, um, so like, shut up. It, they, even they, when, even when they did, it was just this thing of like someone sending him money. He's never talked to these people because like, there were there was definitely this working class people that want to hook up with him, but they were not this real patronage network. This is the same thing with Trump. Trump had lots of working class people that wanted to help, but this was just like, oh, uh, I'm running for office right now. Hi. Send me money. Like, there's no real relationship there. Yeah, <laughs> but but and the thing here about like this 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 cultural conservative victory is that if you look at it, like it, and I don't mean this as an attack or or you know an endorsement or anything. I don't mean to put any sort of valuation. This is just like a an an, an observation of the material world here. Um. Like these people who secure this victory are upper middle class people. Like again, they I don't think anyone in the Federalist Society necessarily travels back to, you know, Appalachia or whatever to to 
receive instructions at like like they're the Soviet <laughs> deputies of like Appalachian shuds. Like of course not. In so far as you have a bunch of shuds in rural America who think that abortion is bad. Like yeah, this is like you have um American workers who think that like the big banks are bad and that uh, immigration that's a Koch proposal to have open borders. So we're going to send money to the this guy who's never talked to us and you know doesn't come from where we come from. But the the sort of upper middle class character of this this culturally conservative movement is not the first time it's happened in the US. Like if you think about prohibitionism, like the first wave of let's ban all the alcohol. What you you, you know like Rochester, the city in New York State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rochester, New York. Yeah, yeah. It was the first uh, American boomtown, like the first sort of town that exploded due to like early industrialism in the U.S. So it was like a village of two hundred people or whatever, like an unincorporated village. Then it became a village. Then it became a, a town, and then a city. In the span of like less than twenty years, went from you know. 150 people to 20,000 or something like that. Uh, And Rochester was the beating heart of the first sort of uh, big sort of Protestant revivalist movement in the U.S. And what I've always been fascinated by is like the, the relationship these people have to the question of whether alcohol should be allowed or not. Because... When Rochester was very small, like, okay, you had a gun shop. You were like the master owner of a gun shop. Uh, You had maybe one or two employees, and like you had a patriarchal relationship to those employees. You were like the family father, uh, in a sense. Like, these people lived in an annex to like your family's uh, dwelling or whatever. Kind of like in Sweden, uh, once upon a time, you had. What's the word in English? Uh, but but like in Swedish, you call them drengar, which like means young men essentially. And these were people, you you agricultural workers. They didn't have families of their own, so usually they lived on some small, um, some small. Uh, what's the word? Like a, a small like cottage or whatever on the farm of the farmer who owned the land and then they you know they ate dinner with the family and so on they were kind of like an adopted son slash worker we, we do that uh people with farms and stuff do that now i can't i, I can't remember the name but yeah yeah like this was and and in and in this relationship like if you were um the if you were a dreng or or a um like a worker in Rochester, like you basically had to ask your master for permission to go outside after dark. You know, maybe you asked him for his blessing when you wanted to get married because that guy sort of assumed the traditional patriarchal role in like, you know, traditional society. And at that point... I think we call that caretaker. Yeah. Like at that point, like nobody who was anyone like of influence, nobody from the big like sort of rich families of Rochester cared a bit about alcohol, like uh, or prohibit, like uh, having some sort of prohibition against it. And so if you were to drink alcohol in Rochester when it was 200 or 300 people, like 
and you were a worker, you drank alcohol with your boss, who was also kind of your adopted dad, after a like working day. Like you, you had a glass or two of whiskey together. But then when Rochester exploded and it had like twenty or forty thousand people, like anonymous drifters coming into town to work the mills, uh, living in their own areas, like completely segregated from from the old sort of people of any influence. Uh, like obviously this was good in this sort of materialist way or whatever because again like you can't run a mill with 500 people as a family business where it's like yeah uh, all of these people who work here for nine months or whatever before moving on they're my son now Um, but at that point like if you were an influential Christian in Rochester, like one of the big families, like you basically saw that we have together destroyed this this little village we used to live. It's completely living. It's completely gone. Like the old social rules have been completely destroyed. Um, uh, there's a bunch of people here, like thousands and thousands of working men with like no no rules. And, like, these people, they're foreign to us. Like, they're a threat, essentially. So all of these people who themselves had no problem drinking when, like, you know, you could keep it under control suddenly said that, like, you can't live in a good society if people are allowed to drink. We have to shut down all the pubs and, you know, make it not just something you get fined for, but something you get put in prison for if you actually, you know, sell someone a bottle of alcohol or, you know, drink a glass of whiskey after work. And this failed, obviously. Like, the, the, the attempt to ban all, like, alcohol. But the reason I bring all of this up is just that, like, the people who said, like, we the only way to save this dying society that, you know, someone who owns a mill killed, and that someone happens to be me, but uh, I don't really want to talk about that. Like, you basically had to have this rear guard action to save society uh, by trying to have more and more, like, rules about, like, social mores and so on. Like, I harp on the fact that a lot of these federalist society types that, um, you know, have now abolished abortion or whatever like you know the 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 era of baby killing is over i mean these people are just as much slaves to um the false god of abortion as like the lips you can't you can't have you can't become an attorney you can't clerk for the supreme court you can't do anything like that if you want to if you want to be a young mom who, you know, makes a mistake, like gets knocked up, but has the kid. Like, it's impossible. So anyone who wants to be part of that class, they basically have to submit to the rule of mammon here. And and just as with, like, the, the fight over alcohol prohibition, not necessarily being a fight over alcohol, but being a fight over, like, this is the society we've created, we've lost control over it. Like... I think that history is repeating itself. And the problem with that is just that, like, at some point, everyone is going to do the same double take that everyone did during the 2010s, where they realized that, well, maybe this wasn't really a movement by and for, you know, cavaliers and the Scots 
Irish and uh, people who live in Appalachia. But right now, people like to pretend that like there's some sort of natural connection between um, um, between like the people like like Clarence Thomas or Alito or someone like that, and you know the mass of shots out there. And sure, there's some connection in the sense that maybe Alito likes to say that, yeah, I, I'm totally, you know, a representative of American shots. But just in terms of practical reality, he isn't. And, and that lack of connection between the two is like that's going to cause a lot of havoc uh, down there the road. Is, there, is a, uh, there is a Catholic thing here. So the Federal Society is Catholic. Um, uh, Clarence Thomas is Catholic. Uh, I mean, there is, um, and you know, the evangelicals are against abortion, but I don't think they've ever been against, as against it as Catholic. And so, I, I think that a lot of the big drive for this maybe is a bit more Catholic than evangelical. I mean, there there, there is both. I mean, it certainly is a team, but they are. Um, yeah, and it also seems to be mostly like located to Catholic converts, which is like. It's entire uh, uh, another can of worms entirely. Like the fact that you have this movement of people converting to Catholicism, and it's like clearly a class thing. In South America, people of you know middle and lower middle class and working class are converting to Protestantism in droves. In the U.S., in North America, it's people who uh, go to Harvard who com- convert to Catholicism. From Protestantism, are people yeah. outside in Shudville converting to Catholicism and going? You know, is Cletus really concerned about the Latin Mass right now? There is abs- uh, there is absolutely a class thing going on. So you know, the thing is, we say Protestant, but it's like okay, if you are like a high church Anglican or something, I get you. You're you're kind of like they they sort of go with Catholic, but they are Protestant. But like when we say you say Protestant United States, generally you mean Southern Baptist, and generally, I mean I'm not saying people generally mean that, but they should because that is the vast majority. And this is generally just Chud stuff, and so this is why you see lots of uh, Mexican working class are now converting to Southern Baptist, or I'm not, I'll say Southern Baptist, but some evangelical. Uh, most of the evangelical stuff is run by SBC, but I, we'll just we'll say evangelical. There is definitely a a, a, a class component, to it. but like. Now every event now every evangelical is against abortion too, but I don't know like it's just different. Catholic are just more. I mean, I, I guess it's because it comes from the leadership. They've just always been a big. I, I don't know why yeah. they're just against it more. No, it's it, they're no. That's they are not more opposed to abortion than than evangelicals who are against abortion. Really? I mean, so like okay. The difference is you're not going to hear about the evangelicals because they're all fucking proles and the cat the catholic stoma who can go to the march for life or whatever they're a lot of them are professional class and that's and then that's okay you the start and the end of it yeah, okay I, as far as i know you you like if you go down to brass tags you're not even supposed to do you're not allowed to participate in mass if, if you I, I i don't even want to have this conversation I, this my view on this is that none of this is about like the essence of one group or the other. It's just about what you hear about. And you don't hear about yeah. professional class evangelicals because there aren't very many of them. Okay. Well, there's no, I don't, I don't want to get into no, like, Okay. Well, there's no evangelical on the, on the Supreme court. So, 
Right. Yeah. Uh, so the, 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 I don't want to get into like, is this one group or the other more about this? No, we shouldn't yeah, do that. Look, look and, and I agree with you there. Like, I think that the point here also, and I want to be clear on this, is that I'm not actually trying to sort of say that, well, maybe abortion, you know, this decision is actually bad because, you know, like 12 dimensional just blah, blah, blah. All I'm saying is just that there is a discrepancy between like what people claim is going on, which is this broad-based sort of reaction. You know, Cthulhu has started swimming right. Um, and, you know, people said that about Sanders. People said that about Corbyn. But it turned out that, like, no, there was something far more uh, complicated going on. Because, you know, a couple of years after you had... Uh, the alliance between the shuds and the professional class, you know, shud speakers, shud whispers or whatever, the shud whispers themselves were just uh, attacking the shuds on live television, calling them monsters for having voted for Brexit. I mean, <laughs> I think that it's very likely that you're going to have something similar be the end result of this particular alliance. Um, because again, it's, it's, it's not it's it's not exactly that you have a broad based popular movement that has finally you know through like in some sense yes because you have a lot of this in, in like local states in in republican states you have a lot of like pressure on politicians um to sort of you know make, do an end run around the supreme court which is what triggered this entire like legal crisis in that texas and other states had already tried to basically reclaim their uh prerogatives regarding this question but but like both the people saying oh well you know this abortion thing is a disaster because now you know we're never gonna win uh the the urban libs and the people saying oh no like the 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 revolution is coming comrades Soon, like, everyone is going to be a based Catholic or based, you know, reactionary like me. Both of these people are full of shit. Like, it's it's just, there's something, that this is much more of a intra-middle class affair. It's not only an intra-middle class affair, but it's much more of an intra-middle class affair than anyone in the middle class wants to admit. And that's, that is going to throw a lot of sand in the gears going forward, I think. Um, the people saying, oh, no, this is not tactical. We're not going to win. Like, uh, you know, what will the person at my favorite burger chain think? Like, these people are obviously not acting out in, uh, in the interests of, you know, the international, like, uh, or whatever. Uh, they have their own sort of things they want to get out of a political movement, like their own uh, um, constituencies they want to protect. Uh, and yeah, it's it's hard to see how how this this thing keeps keeps going without you know succumbing to its own contradictions. Because again, winning—if you want to call this uh, Roe versus Wade thing a win, which in some ways it is, and in some ways maybe not—but like victories tend to always be the most dangerous things for a f political faction that's not very cohesive. Because it's yeah. when you win that everyone takes the opportunity to split into different sort of directions. Yeah, victory disease 
or um uh because i mean so we talked about this before that like uh you know if we had if we had an episode that like did really well or something uh we would just accept that that meant it was good and just do more of it there would be there, there would be no other uh thing about that you know plus you know when you're it, it's it's totally true uh you know mal has that thing uh you know, from loss, from loss to loss to loss to uh, the final victory. You know, the the left is like the far left. Uh, I think they get a lot done in politics, and they have an attitude like they're they're always losing. You know, you know what I mean? Like they're they're never they're never happy. They're never like, oh yeah, we're kicking ass. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's again, that's what you know. Your last what, your last easy day was yesterday. <laughs> like the, the, the far left has had that attitude. Well, you know, and you take someone like Pence, who there's not a lot of good things to say about him, but like if 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 that's your base saying, well, I mean, this 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 is nice, I guess, but we still have to, you know, go go to Congress and stop the you know the the baby killing in in California and New York, even if you don't think you're really going to do that. That's what you say. That's what they would say. This is hey, that's that's cool. Well, we, I'm glad we got that, but dot dot dot. Well, I got, there's one other great thing about it is that, so a lot of the people who are like, uh, the Chud haters, the, uh, the people that are sort of, uh, the tourists into the right that are, uh, <laughs> sort of here because they've been exiled from the left or whatever, that, um, this, this causes them a lot of awkward feelings. I mean, the, you know, if they're like, uh, you know, we saw this in like, I don't know, the two thousands that there would be celebrities that were like, they would try on being a Republican is like, uh, I don't know, is a personality trait or whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of people like that in real life. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't, but, uh, it, it gets super weird for them, like at the office or with, you know, even like, um, you know, if you're like, Oh, well, I'm the Republican guy, but I still, you know, go on, I don't know, chapters. I don't know if that kind of thing exists. That gets a lot weirder, you know, after this stuff comes out. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing right now is just that the all of the things that are suggested as remedies, as I pointed out earlier, to to this latest you know uh, war crime from the Republicans, which is to say that you know maybe this extremely sort of in, infected and controversial and and you know like this question that splits America into two halves essentially. Uh, maybe it should be left to you know the democratic process to work itself out. Well, this is not acceptable, and the only way to fix this is to take do all of these like insanely overreach, basically trampling upon the norms of the small R republic. You know, if you are a person who's a radical centrist, you are not going to have a good time going forward. There will be no centrism allowed. Like the radical centrist on the lib side is going to say, I think we should occupy Texas, but we shouldn't kill all of the population. We could maybe sell the <laughs> women and children as slaves. That's going to be the centrist position. Or, or even, you know, the, for, like the humanitarian appeasement position. And, you know, if you have that, if you think that you should kill all the grown men, but maybe not all the, like, babies or whatever... Uh, and maybe not even salt the earth because, you know, that's bad for the environment. Like, people are going to make fun of you, but you're still going to be in. If you say, you know, maybe we shouldn't actually occupy Texas at all, um, you are not going to have much of a future because, again, the libs are really gearing up to sort of 
have this sorting process where it's like, okay, right now we need to figure out who's on our side and who's not in case, you know, shit goes down. And uh, um, the interesting thing, and this is why I think that there's so much like, you know, so many people on the right saying, holy crap, we won, this is a disaster right now. Because there's a lot of those people who, who you know, now pipe up and say, like, we should never have done this. This is a disaster. Think about the election. Like, these people are not necessarily, like, you know, less committed or, you know, more of, of a wimp than someone like Kavanaugh. They're definitely more wimpy than, than um, uh, Thomas, Clarence Thomas, because that guy probably, like, thinks that civil war would actually be a good thing. Uh, but I think that, like, for a lot of these people, like, the, the big difference is just, like, the amount of naivete. Like, someone like Kavanaugh goes, yeah, sure, uh, I voted against this de decision, but I'm still a fellow American. I should be able to live here in D.C. among you people, because, like, we're all the same thing. We're all Americans at the end of the day. And, uh, like, this is just how the Republic is supposed to work, comrades. And everyone's like, no, you should be killed. Like the people who say, oh my God, like we, we fucked up on the right. We, we shouldn't win so much. I, I, I'm already sick of winning. Like these are the people who, you know, are like Kavanaugh, but are not naive, who realize that, okay, this is actually going to be a war. Um, and like, again, you're going to see like the, 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 I think that, it's fair to say that the Shake Shack people are not terribly enthusiastic about this because they also realize that this is going to be a war. And, you know, this is not going to be a war fought uh, with any sort of notion of making sure that, like, uh, protecting the, the, um, uh, the viability of the Shake Shack to protect the white race or whatever. Like, no. Uh, the Shake Shack is going to be the first to go once the Molotovs start flying. And, uh, like, there's, there, there, there really isn't any helping that. So. Well, uh, yeah, by the way, so uh, I, I don't know if you had time to watch it. Uh, I'm not saying it was a great watch, whatever, but uh, I suggest there's a video that's going around. It's got a lot of views. It was on uh, that Sagar's. I don't know his name, but uh, show he was the lib. He's the lib uh, doomer. Now he said a lot of things that made me not trust the things what he say. Now that would just be like okay. So he's when he brought up G and and um, Putin, he did a lot of like Hitlerisms and stuff, which made me think I was like, eh, okay, maybe this is just kind of like a State Department guy. But his doomer analysis, now he's like a, a you know um, a lib or whatever. Uh, his was like super insane. So he said, first off, like you will never have like uh, the next hundred years will all be a decline. Uh, the next three years, he named like all three major uh, fertilizers, uh, chemicals, whatever. And he said, none of them will be in stock in the next three years, um, et cetera. So there's all that. Now going to the, the, going to the urban stuff, there's a big thing going out right now that just showed all these stock values that are basically things that support this urban life. So there's been this very exciting urban life that people have been living past, like, I don't know, four or six years, maybe more where yeah. people, where people are able or like 
um, you know, no, this this thing where everybody's living in New York City and San Francisco and stuff wasn't the case like ten years ago. But you know, past so many years, they had this thing where like you're living there, people are washing your clothes for you, they bring your groceries for you. Do you you uh, there's just there's just all these amenities of this really like uh really great life available for these people in these urban centers. I know like just oh, lots yeah. and lots of people moving moving New York City sir. Well, but the app idea based, is, sir, app based servants is what are what they yeah, are. This right, is a right. huge thing. Yeah, go continue. Sorry, but the idea is that all these stocks of all these things that support this Angela brought this up too. Are they in the toilet? They're yeah. just in free fall. And the, the money that supported these things is drying up. That's the idea. Yeah, that 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 is one hundred and fifty percent true. Like it's it's very clear. Uh, companies like Uber or Uber or whatever, they never had any real basis. Like they they survived because they could draw VC cash, and the VCs could uh, send cash because you know money was essentially free because of the you know federal money printer. Um, but that system is collapsing, which means that uh, companies like Uber are going to have to start, you know, uh, displaying some sort of profit, which they can't. They can't, like, they, they just, they're not built to do that. And you have all of these, you've seen these videos, like Bobby F. Marek, where it's like, you know, a 24-year-old woman, woman in New York or somewhere else <laughs> who yes. films her own day. Yeah, the, the account that's all those on is called cold healing. Go to cold healing on Twitter and go look at these videos. These, these women. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just like, okay, I wake up, I go to this base gym. I, uh, eat this or drink this cool, um, soy protein, uh, sriracha, whatever smoothie that's blessed by a fucking, tibetan shaman or whatever then i go to work i sit in front of a computer writing emails and playing you know pool uh, table tennis with my best girlfriends and then we go to this classy you know vegan fusion sushi place whatever and then i go to the gym again and then i go to sleep in my penthouse uh, while reading, you know, w- watching, like reading the novel of the play Hamilton, something like that. Like all of these people who who sort of make a point almost of, th- there was this uh, another video of just two like women sitting in bikinis, <laughs> like in one the, of them the had pool. a laptop uh, <laughs> yeah. by the pool saying like, yeah, we work as information management consultants, like, we don't actually program anything. We just uh, call up the programmers and ask, "Are you doing work right now? Like, are you are you at your workplace?" And they say yes, and they go, "Okay, well that's great." And they're doing this. They're doing this remotely. And the other thing that yeah. you see in all these videos is that, like, uh, when this woman's she was in the Chicago office, and um, that like there's all this support staff. There's just like. There's tons and tons and tons of support. So there's all these like people in their thirties, like from like, you know, like, uh, uh, people from like the Caribbean and stuff that are like, when she goes to, when she goes into the cafeteria, like the cafeteria staff is enormous 
And then like this professional staff that she is, which is like, she just has a degree. She just has a regular ass degree. Yeah. It's always very small. There's all these people that are sort of here, uh, helping them, uh, small things. So, uh, Peter Thiel has a speech where he talks about basically all these online properties. He said that none of them are profitable yet. And the idea is like 10, 15 years from now, they will become profitable. Like for example, Twitter. Yeah, but they won't. Like at this mm -hmm. point, with like massive inflation, with the fact that you have to really raise interest rates, um, they're not never going to be profitable. And so, like, I think that like if you're a lib, I don't think anyone really plans this far ahead, or you know, draws upon the historical parallels or whatever. But like on some level, I think that people sort of um, like figure that you know there's going to be a similar dynamic to uh, the russian civil war where it's like the the bolsheviks they come to power partly because they want to end the war right and because conscription of the peasantry is so incredibly unpopular and the bolsheviks just promise like you know if we grab power uh, there's never going to be any conscription again. There's not going to be people coming to your village saying, like, either you fight for the army or we kill you. Uh, and because we will we'll leave, we'll leave World War One. And then, you know, once the Bolsheviks come to power and the civil war breaks out, uh, the Red Army goes to every fucking village on the map saying, like, okay, you can either join the Red Army or we can shoot you. Those are your options. And if you say, well, didn't you promise that this would stop? Like, they, they would just shoot you. And this was rough going in the early days. Like, this, people said, you know, this sucks. Uh, you Bolsheviks, you promised that there wouldn't be forced conscription. I'm going to fight against you. But um, as things sort of collapsed in Russia, um, it actually became a lot easier to do forced conscription because nobody really figured it was worth the, the, the bother to even fight against it because like at least the Red Army would give you a pair of boots mm -hmm. and maybe even a bowl of cabbage soup uh, every day, which was more than you would get if you didn't join the Red Army at this point. So people just went, eh, whatever. Um, Hitler, so Hitler said the same thing. He was basically starving, didn't have anywhere to sleep, living outdoors. Uh, during the army. One thing I want to add on that is like I remember when I moved when I moved to Austin, I would I remember taking the Uber for like one of the first times. It was so cheap that I was just like, "How in the hell is it that cheap?" It was like like I went home from the bar for like it was like six dollars. Like there, there's no way that I, like if I handed someone six greenbacks, they would, you know, escort take me from this from the bar to my house at like three o'clock in the morning. So like, yeah. but but it, none all those prices, none of them are like that anymore. Everything yeah. now, if you're riding an Uber anywhere, it, you're it's it's five times that. All that shit is is like it's going through the roof. Yeah. It, and, and, well, wasn't the concept before like. I think Teal talked about whoever talked about that, that the idea was you get in on the ground floor of one of these companies. And if they become the next Google, you, you're super rich. If they don't, well, whatever money's fake anyway. Yeah. You, you, well, you, you, you can, you can run everybody else out of business too, by, by running, yeah. running it at, at negative price. Which like, is what Uber did. Yeah. Right. But, and you're running on off the of VC money anyway. So like it, it doesn't it, like the, the difference between running a profit and not isn't huge, you know? 
Yeah, but the the problem is that at this point, like none of this is ever gonna be like the next Google, um, and also all of this has been subsidized. Sure, like if you're Peter Thiel, you're interested in the next Google, so you can become even more fantastically rich. But if you're that woman who works by the poolside, uh, calling the software engineers to ask them, "Are you doing work?" Like, I don't know anything about programming or coding, but uh, my job is just to annoy you by calling you and asking you if you're doing work. Uh, yeah, by the book. way, is is Google profitable? Not really. And you go to any of these companies, anything. Like, I go to go to Apple. So Apple is, like, completely and utterly. So if China moves into Taiwan, Apple's done. Like, everything that they have is there. Like, that's yeah. it's just 100%. They're all toast. All yeah. this shit is all fake. Yeah, but so, like, the the side effect of everyone chasing, becoming, like, the next uh, Teal or Bill Gates or whatever is that, like, you had this massive program to subsidize uh, uh, subsidize these professionals in the city. I think that once mm-hmm. the subsidies stop, like, they're going to be like the Russian peasants, essentially, saying, you know... Uh, you know, maybe civil war isn't such a bad idea because at least I'll get a pair of boots fighting for <laughs> uh, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and Satan. Like maybe Satan will give me a bowl of cabbage soup, which is a damn sight better than what you're going to get if they don't join up. Because if they don't join up, they're not going to get like any sort of work uh, befitting their station like they can start working at the cafeteria that they used to frequent but then again they would have to do so by um, underbidding the you know illegal immigrants who worked there before and yeah. you know you, you're not gonna have this fancy penthouse if you work at the cafeteria for less than an illegal immigrant's wage uh, you're not going to have a lot of, you know, vegan sushi buffets or whatever. Um, so, like, this class is just going to get completely wrecked going forward. And I think that if it's going to get wrecked, if you're the one guy saying, you know, I'm a radical centrist. I don't believe in civil conflicts. I think we should all talk this out. Like, what are you going to offer these people? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, so, well, that's yeah. going to be the people. So, uh, you know, there's that, that, that boom time. I enjoyed that. I'm getting. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of Austin. You guys. You guys are, are gonna. You're gonna be stuck here. Uh, you know. The, the, but those people. The people that are really stuck. But I didn't make all that much money. But all these people that are stuck in in San Francisco and Austin, wherever they're making 150, 200 grand, they're going to be the radical centrist. They're going to be. Please don't do anything. I just get this. Clint, this keep going just a little bit longer so I can make this huge cash. And because uh, I'm not like, what am I going to do? This is I need this is I need this more than anything. You know, that's yeah. the radical, radical, the most radical centrist you ever seen. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like this, I mean, this is going to fracture the right very, very quickly, I think, because like the right has a lot of the, you know, you can make fun of Shake Shack people and so on. But, like, this is not just about some posters on Twitter or some beef here or there. Like, this is just institutional built in into the um, GOP model of doing things. Like, the GOP does not have a bunch of uh, patronage machines like, you know, the black machine or something like that. It has a machine for... uh, 
people who go to college and like bow ties. Mm-hmm. But, like it has all of these institutions for people who are like these professional um, class individuals who pursue higher education in all of these um, think tanks and so on. And sure, they have like their industries where they have their loyal supporter base, like, you know, energy, stuff like that. But I, I, you know, I didn't believe, I didn't know how far this went till this week. There's an analogy I could give for people that it's like this. So the first thing I realized is none of these people, like, I was like, man, these people, they don't really think of politics, um, like at all. Like maybe they just think of it in a different way, but, but no, then you keep talking to them. They're like, well, no, they're like the average Republican is a fat, uh, idiot Protestant. They, he wants to drive everywhere. Um, you know, he's, he's suspicious about, uh, schools and vaccines and stuff. And I'm like, really, really, you keep going further. Like what this, what they're like. And this is like, really like every single person I've ever talked to that has been in some kind of professional capacity with the Republican party. There are some people that like, I, I, I think that they're not like that. I just haven't talked to them at length. I'm, I'm sure this isn't everybody, but a huge amount of these people, it's like this. Imagine if you were, uh, you know, you were a, a Turkish politician and then the government of Turkey sent you to Washington DC and you were going to be at the Turkish embassy. And you were gonna, you're you're there at the Turkish embassy in D.C., but you're the, you're still the Turkish government, right? So you're supposed to work on behalf of the Turkish government. The idea is that you got there to D.C. and you were like, man, these Turks are barbarians. Well, I don't like these people at all. Fuck them. Uh, who gives a shit about them? I like these people here. They're cool. They live. They go downtown. They go to the. Uh, you know, like. This is just totally, buzz- like, you know, when I, when I ask these people about politics, they're like, well, like, how does this make sense in numbers? I've asked every one of these motherfuckers. Yeah. I was like, well, how does this make sense? There's not enough based architects in in D.C. And they're just they you just get this like bullshit about like, I, I don't know. Like, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, people piss me off so much, yeah, but they're, they're there. They're not there because they've been mistaken about what the take is. The take for them is that they get to work in DC at some fund or some um, like, you know, consultancy firm or something like that. But that system is going to fall apart. Like, it's not going to survive. Like, libs are not going to allow themselves to have enemies of the cause living like in the heart of DC, like Kavanaugh is going to be driven from his neighborhood by his own neighbors, and that's just going to be the opening shot. Yeah. So okay, these, these like there's a there's a longstanding thing in, in in like America that there's like a joke that's basically like if you're really really good in politics, you'll be given a um a di- diplomatic post in Western Europe. The idea is that people like Western Europe. They like that. That'd be that'd be cool. It'd be like a, a very cool post. But like, I don't think that anyone would think that like you would start like uh, despising America and like that. All like none that I guarantee you, if you go to a Democratic person, it's in D.C. on behalf of people that are not 
The, like the thing is, I don't need you. Don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like the people you serve. You can love DC. You could ride your bicycle, live in an apartment. You just have to not loathe the people you're supposed to represent. Those people even understand the concept of representation, which is insane. There's well, no there's Democrats. They don't talk like this. They 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 go to the mat for their people. You know, we've we've talked about this the other day, this phenom- there is the ver- reverse phenomenon, it's the Hicklib, and that's what these people are. They're, people we were talking about, they're the inversion of the Hicklibs. They're people like, their professional and social life requires them to not pass certain red lines and they're never going to do that. I mean, a lot of them, honestly, a lot of them are, are probably legitimately mad about this because this uh, the, this row overturned decision might go against th- uh, their own personal beliefs, right? Yeah, but, but also it's going to make it impossible for them to live where they... Yeah, I- exactly. Their social and professional lives rely on them towing a certain line and... If they don't do that, then it's gonna it's going to have horrible repercussions for them in their in their daily lives. So they're always gonna feel this way, and they're always going to absolutely despise the chuds. Yeah, and and at this point, like what people are saying when they say, "Oh no, we're gonna lose the midterms. This is a disaster. We really had to do another uh, like twelve dimensional chess play compared to this because then we would win the midterms. Now we're gonna lose the midterms, and you know the midterms are so fucking important." Like, no, they're they're not concerned about the midterms. Like, nobody who has more than two brain cells to rub together in the year of our Lord 2022 is going to say, oh, my God, if we don't control the House of Representatives, like, we're, you know, Congress is so going to be deadlocked. We're never going to pass a law making America based again. Like, no, Congress is functionally deadlocked, and no matter what the result will be, the only thing you will be able to pass is a tax cut for the rich or a handout of $100 billion to, uh, you know, some Zelensky, yeah. yeah, some Ukrainian oligarch. That's it. Like, that's the only thing you can do with Congress. It doesn't matter who controls, who, quote, unquote, controls Congress at this point. There's nothing to control. What they're really afraid of, and this is a 100% justifiable fear they have, is that, okay, after this, it's going to be impossible for me to keep living as a sort of, you know, like a Christian in a Muslim society. Like you pay your special tax or whatever, but you're kind of left alone. Like from now on, it's going to be convert or die. Because like this is going to push the libs to uh, make sure that there are no internal enemies left in their areas. The Trader Joe's is on fire right now. We can't, we're not going to be able to continue. These, these people usually do have uh, legitimate grievances. Man, I, I, I have to really watch what I say here, but I'll just, so one thing that they usually do, they, these people that are like, they end up in these uh, right wing, like jobs and stuff. They're like almost assuredly, um, like they would have gotten to a better school or something. They're, they're white and they wouldn't, they would have got a better school or something if they were. And so that is like one thing. So that like, they're almost always down with the racial thing because they do have a legitimate grievance, but like, that's not really, an, that's not really enough, you know? Um, it's, but like, again, once again, you could be any kind of person. You could enjoy yourself. You could be gay, live in an apartment and do all this stuff. If you just, you know, represent your on behalf of, it's like, you're being an attorney. You know, I, my attorney doesn't need to be like me. They just need to 
work on my behalf. That's it. That's all you got to do. But these motherfuckers, they can't do it because they despise yeah. the Chucks. Yeah, it is infuriating. They, they don't have the they don't have the luxury of working on behalf of the shots because they're not shots themselves and they have their own problems. Like the shots are, let's be real. No shot is ever going to lift a finger to make sure that uh, someone, uh, you know, who is a based Republican or whatever can keep living in DC, can keep affording Uber, can keep, you know, living a lifestyle buttressed by like 10 illegal immigrants washing his clothes or whatever. Cletus is not going to help Mr. Shake Shack man uh, keep hold of that lifestyle. So why should the opposite hold true? Like on, on, on a moral level, like why, why should one side here be like generous to another? Like on a political level, you can say, well, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Huey Long type, um, an ambitious politician, you're going to say, you know, the Shuds, Cletus here, he's going to be my top guy. He's going to be my soldier. He's going to be like, join the Red Army or, you know, the army of the based American Union state fighting against uh, uh, <laughs> Jack Reed or whatever in the Second American Civil War, like in Kaiserreich. Like, obviously, at that point, you have to do something for Cletus because this is a patron-client relationship. But like, if Huey Long was a guy thinking, yeah, you know, uh, what can Cletus do for the class of people, like the, as a group? Attorneys living in D.C. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. They can't do anything, and they don't want to do anything. They have their own problems. I'm sorry. Like, uh, yeah. to, to them, uh, to, to a child, maybe not having, you know, illegal immigrant servants. Maybe, like, if you want a servant, you have to get an American servant and pay him an American wage. Like, maybe that would be ideal. But it's obviously not ideal for the guy who is in the running to hire a servant. If you are like a base Republican version of the like the the young woman at a poolside saying, yeah, I, my job is to write an email to people who actually know how to program and ask them if they're doing their job. Uh, and this is really important because it helps to make the team more uh, inclusive. Like, if you're the right-wing version of that, um, sooner or later, you're going to join the libs. Because, again, the libs are the only attorney in town that yeah. that actually has, you know, the willingness to fight for these people, you know, take, like, it, it cost whatever it may. At the end of the day, like, you know, the, the reason they don't is that, like, they would join at the ground floor. And because yeah. this is a situation where there's a lot Below of rash- the ground floor. They wouldn't be. The, the, that's the reason they're not on the train already, because for like demographic reasons, they were kicked off. Yeah, exactly. Like the there's going to be a lot of rationing going on. And like the the like the um, old uh, like, you know, the second season of The Wire, where the boss uh, or the son of the boss of the the. Dockside Union just says, like, the only way to keep the seniority rules, son, like, that's the only way to keep this fair. Like, the older you are, the more shifts you get. And, you know, it's not a good system uh, for for young people 
but it's probably like the only system that you that has a chance of working. And at the end of the day, um, if someone decides to join the, the, the Lib coalition now and say, well, you know, I also work an email job, please save me. Like they're just going to say, unless you are really, really useful, you're going to stand at the back of the line. And yeah. a lot of these people, they're not really, really useful. So, I mean, there's only so many spots for someone like Rickard Spencer, who, I mean, he tried to create his own, like, independent power base of, you know, based email workers, you know, hiling Trump or whatever. And then that sort of falls apart. So then he becomes, like, the captured barbarian paraded around in Rome to, to show just how, like, epic and based Rome is by look at like all of these weird people who captured and forced to swear fealty to Rome. But like yeah, there, there's your, only so many only, people. Yeah. Your, your only play is to be the apostate. It's to Yeah. And, and that yes, happens. There, there are there are people on and this applies to both sides of the, of the political spectrum who for like you know I guess like for demographic or other historical accidents, they're in a they're they live in a place where there's a reason for them to dissent against the ruling party, but not so much that they would be totally cast out and, and ostracized. They want it. They have to, they have to ride that line where it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't like this stuff, but also let me make sure that you know that I'm not one of these, you know, these low class type of people. And that's what they're going to do. And as the incentives change, like it, they're going to have to make choices and, some of them will choose one way and some of them will choose the other. It's just exactly what you'd expect during realignment. There were fantasies that you could have a situation where somehow permanently in the United States, there'd be this one big tent group of people at 60% and another that's 40 or whatever. That's never how it works. Like the, those moments in history do happen, but they're usually pretty brief while people sort out what the new arrangement that's going to be, you know, 55 45 or as my friend here bobby likes like you know 51 49 like that's that's the equilibrium that you're going to reach eventually once the once like the the actual politics get done and people are sorted out we'll like we'll know where where people are going to end up yeah i mean the the issue here is just that in some ways i think that um the the people behind this decision to like, if, if you're going to criticize this abortion thing, like, at the end of the day, it's a waste of time, and it's also, like, stupid on, on, on a lot of levels to just say, well, you know, I think this, this is just wrong because it's evil or whatever, or, you know, it's going to fuck us over in the midterms. Like, again, if you care about the midterms, you are, uh, like, you are dumber than a sack of hammers at this point. Like, <laughs> who the fuck cares about, like, who the representative who votes for another 20 billion to Ukraine is. Oh man, it's going to be a based Republican voting for like more money to Zelensky this time. It's going to be so based. No, it's not. But the issue here is just that like neither side in this conflict actually takes the escalation that's constantly going on seriously. Like people who say oh, well, you know, what this has done is this has uh, uh, given us a huge victory where, like, soon abortion will be banned. Like, all of the people who, who, who croon the most about abortion soon being banned are the people 
who never, like, in their wildest dreams, ever imagined that, like, even if we ban abortion, this ban is gonna, you know, it's not gonna apply to me or my kids. Like, if my kid, uh, my daughter, who's gonna go to Princeton, ends up getting knocked up by West Ham Caleb after, you know, a Tinder date, like, that motherfucker is going to go to Mexico or Canada or Japan or Hawaii or wherever and get an abortion. Like, that's not, like, this is a law for shots. It's not a law for the elect. Uh, just like alcohol prohibitionism was, like, you know, if you were an elect who didn't drink alcohol, that was great. But, like, the point was, like, the shots can't have these fucking pubs in Rochester. Like, because you, you, who knows what they'll... Uh, end up doing but but like the idea that this like first of all obviously it doesn't actually like abolish abortion or end the regime of baby killing like not even the friends of the regime of killing babies thinks that this is going to end the regime of killing babies there's nobody nobody on the progressive side who's actually de facto afraid of abortion going away. Like, there's a difference between saying, oh, yeah, I think Trump is Hitler, and thinking, you know, as a Jewish person, if, you know, the U.S. Marshals find me, that's it. That's all of my uh, parents, me, my kids, my grandparents getting gassed uh, in some concentration camp. There's not a lot of Jews in the U.S. who think that, well, you know, once the U.S. Marshal find me, that's it. But there are some of them, quite a lot, that say, well, you know, Trump is Hitler, which just goes to show that you can sort of say one thing without necessarily believing it. Uh, but nobody really believes that, like, you can there will be actual consequences to this, like, nuclear brinkmanship that both sides are doing. Um, libs are willing, and I think they're even grateful in a way. Uh, they're grateful for the chance to have some sort of big political conflict where the lost embers of American republicanism are stamped out. Because if if libs were forced to sort of deal with this political and economic situation while playing by the rules, like they'd lose. There's no way they, they, they could, could survive politically. Like the economy is falling apart. Their class base is getting, you know, um, getting completely destroyed. Like it's it, the class base that they rely on is getting exterminated, like economically. Like, in 15 years, there will be no, as like the old poem said, there are no kings or gold givers anymore. Like, the, in 15 years, there will be no Karens working at Uber in New York City. This will be an extinct species in 15 years. And people will, you know, I don't know, look at like old historical records and go, oh, yeah. Weren't there one point in U.S. history where, like, you had these young, college-educated women living upper-middle-class lifestyles while sending emails? Didn't that happen at one point? But, like, they'll, they'll be gone. There won't be any left. And so, like, if you have to play by the rules and these are your soldiers, you're going to lose, which is why 
I don't think anyone is really interested on the lib side of, you know, even maintaining the appearance of like we settled political scores according to the rules of the republic. No, it's going to be Marius. It's going to be Sola, one hundred percent going forward. Like you know, we settle our political differences by seeing who has the most force, most power, and that's it. And I don't think anyone, like on this upper middle class side, uh, takes that that logic seriously. And the ones that do, that realize that, okay, well, you know, our opponents are going to treat us like, you know, Marius treated the <laughs> loyalists of Sola. Like these people are saying, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, we need to, we need to back down. Like we need to uh, take this back. We, we can't keep doing this. By the way, so not everybody might know, just the, the shortest summation possible. When you say Marius and Sola, that basically means the absolute worst of political violence that you could possibly, yeah. the most depraved. In other words, like, uh, I'm a Democrat. I saw, you know, I heard of this Republican guy who's rich. Let's, um, I can sign a piece of paper, have him killed and steal his thing. So it's just like the, the bottom barrel of political violence. Yeah, and, and once you start seeing what you're seeing right now, which is like, you know, no knock raids on people whose crime was being part of the Trump administration. Oh, well, here's a SWAT team at four in the morning. And those people from the SWAT team literally called up the CNN and said, you know, we're going to do a no-knock dawn raid on this uh, former Trump official. Do you want to come with us and film it? Like, that shit is not supposed to happen in normal societies. That's that's some, like, Ukraine, you know, Russia during the 90s tier of, of, like, political dysfunction. And, you know, the Dems, the Libs, they're just getting started. I only have one question. Is it done, Malcolm? No, comrade Shod. It has only just begun.